Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. This is session eight of our entrepreneurship and business series. And today we look at customer engagement and understanding customer behavior. It promises to be inspirational and mentally stimulating. The broadcast is put together by Legacy and Legacy, your number one choice for world-class corporate training and your superstation Joy 99.7 FM. In this series, we've had an overview of entrepreneurship. We've looked at idea generation and concept development. We've profiled the entrepreneur. We've looked at why businesses fail. We've also done something on financing, startups, and SMEs. We've done a session on corporate decision-making. And last week, we looked at corporate communications and public relations. And so tonight, as we look at customer engagement, how far must we go? Where must we look and where must we not look? Who is the competition? What must be the scope of our study? I put out a case on Facebook a couple of days ago, and I've had some very interesting responses. Not too long ago, on the run at Ligon was one of the busiest and the most promising business locations in Accra with hordes of students and patrons converging every evening. Now, fast forward a few years and after a six-lane dual carriage and overpass is created, the place is so, so quiet. What went wrong? You out there listening, are you a runaway user? What are the lessons to learn about customer behavior and marketing strategy? My guests tonight will help me understand a phenomenon I cannot explain. And while you are chewing on this one big one, let me throw in one bonus one. Recently on a trip to Kumasi, I engaged the management of a leading hotel about their declining sales. They expressed their concerns and spoke about a number of measures they had put in to control what they thought was an inexplicable drop in sales. And we discussed at length what could be the problem and who could be the competition. It was only when I got to the airport that the cause of the supposedly inexplicable drop in sales became apparent. The competition was not another hotel. It was the lights at the airport. People who would previously sleep over in Kumasi were booking flights to return back to Accra on the same day. Now, how do you fight an enemy you do not know? Let's talk. This is Springboard, your virtual university. If you have expressed opinions about this issue, share them by WhatsApp 024-9999000 or share it on Facebook. Post it on my Facebook page or on Springboard, the virtual university Facebook page and we'll be happy to share it with the whole world. With me in the studios to engage in this instructive discussion, Petra Abbasamwa. She's general manager at Delta Airlines. Petra, good evening and welcome to Springboard. It's good to see you. Good evening, Reverend. The one and only Mauli Oklu is here. Mauli, good to see you. Great. Today's Father's Day. Yes, happy Father's Day to you. Same to you. You can, you can say shame to you without <laughs> shame to without you. restriction. <laughs> Before we get into these interesting case studies that are giving us headaches, let's just remind ourselves of our commitments for the year 2015. And just quickly, the first one is to read a good book a month. In my hands today, I have the, the Harvard Business Review, the June edition, trying to pick out something about this subject of, of, of the unseen competition. And I'm just enjoying the, the perspectives in it. I also would like to remind you to attend a personal development intervention to sign up to the SMS Academy 
to prepare your 20-year personal development plan and the fifth one is to deliberately build social equity these are the five commitments every listener on springboard has made for the year 2015 and talking about sms academy i always want to read you the business the tip for the day and today's tip says permit no excuses what seems insurmountable and impossible is often achievable with optimism persistence and hard work along the line i asked my my guests about excuses and what managers must do or leaders must do with people who often want to give excuses instead of getting things done so let me start with mauli oklu and find out mauli you used to live in those parts what did the dual courage do to on the run and why what must we know about our customers as we analyze such complex situations that the business owner finds very difficult to explain well, you put it rightly, and split the customers too. That's basically what happened. I mean, um, the issue of location is important in business. Uh, I tend to look at it from the concept of availability. How do you make your service or product available to the person at the right time, at the right place, right? And making it, creating a situation where it's not convenient for anyone to assess on the round is the number one problem. You know, um, Petra, when a person is making your business plan, you are planning for an entity. You, you you think you can consider all the possible scenarios, but could one have ever envisaged something like this? Um, I think not, in terms of how development went in front of the um, restaurant so quickly. But then what you are also thinking about is how does a business then change strategy when there are challenges. And there are various things that that particular business could have done. I'll be very interested in knowing. I've asked myself several questions. Just give me an idea. Maoli has spoken about availability. So making your your offering available to your customer. They had already markets, which were the students, aside of other people who go there. Maybe possibly just changing how customers have access. If, for instance, they had um, focused on delivery, instead of having everyone come into the shop encouraging customers to order over the phone or on their just doing it online or something like that to make it easier for them to access and possibly also giving incentives to the customers by for doing that could have helped the situation right Mom, well i mean with respect to on the run i mean i i want and, to and, and my focus is not really about yes yes on, a, a on typical example see, I'll, but I'll about give, about i'll about give you an example developments that you just can't you preempt, can't predict, yes. but which you can't also ignore. This well, is probably is this seven years. I disagree with eight. that. I mean, I lived in Achimata School, right? And for years, every year, you would go to Achimata Village and there will be markings on the buildings mm. for demolition because there's a road coming. There's a master plan already. There used to be a master plan. And you know what happened? People would typically owners of businesses. I know there was a big entertainment center along the road somewhere there. We used to go and watch movies there. Owners would go there, go out there and pay whoever is in charge. But then, once the funding was ready, there was absolutely no way any of them could maintain their their businesses there. Now the question is, did the, the owners of the business, for instance, do a thorough work? Mm. You know, scoping the whole business plan to find out whether there's a plan for 10 years, 15 years. At times, you may get away with it. It may take 40 years before the funding really comes. But the question is, what's your if-what-if strategy? 
and that's that's what I think has happened. I don't think that we woke up one day and we decided to construct that road. Mm-hmm. That road was part of the plan. Now the question is, if you did a thorough work, right, to know where I'm citing my business in the next four years, five years, or ten years, that should feature in your plan. And your what if scenario should then be should the the funding come today? What do I do? And that's what you see happen when people when the N one was being constructed. You had people car dealers. You know in Ghana the the what if plan is that it won't happen. You know that's why you saw so many people going on Aluta saying that well government has to compensate them for that. But you knew that it was a temporary spot, and therefore you should factor that in your plan. That hey, what if the construction comes to be. What do I do with my business? I think that it's just a, a death of strategic uh, planning. Let's go back to the the root of this whole discussion. We are yeah. talking about customer behavior, customer yeah. expectations. Yes. And you alluded to the fact earlier on that a typical customer wants to be able to get easy access yeah. to what they want. Yeah. Let's look at the generic expectations of customers. Mm-hmm. What do they want? Yeah. What, what what would a typical customer want in entering a school, a pharmacy, an airport, buying a product? Petra, what are some of the generic things that a customer will expect? Generally, customers want satisfaction. So it's then the role of the business to be able to identify what satisfies the customer and even exceed what the customer's expectations are. Um, there are basic things like a customer wants to have value for their money. They want to experience friendliness when they walk into your business. They want to have all the information. They want options. They want to feel good, really, that they're important to your business and they're getting the value that they're exchanging with you for value. So those are some of the things that customers want um, when they approach a, a business for anything. But it's also important that businesses find out properly what customers want. Because there are times where businesses assume that they understand customers and they put together offerings, so products or services, thinking they know what the customer wants, but maybe very far from it. So it's important that businesses are are very clear on what customers expect. Let me push you a bit more. So let's say, for instance, the, the aviation industry. You do all your what-if scenarios, you do your business plan, you analyze the competitor offering, you realize a sudden rise in numbers as a result of a particular promotion that a competitor has, has, has initiated. You think you understand where the growth is coming from, and then you do cut and paste, and it doesn't work. Are you saying that it is possible that even in the same industry, starting from the same city traveling to the same city it is possible that people will be looking for a different experience on a different airline yes very possible um different customers have different preferences and there are different things that motivate why customers choose um company a or airline a to in against company b and the thing is that you need to understand what motivates a customer um why the customer would choose you over your competitor what are the things the customer is looking out for? So there are various things. You may be looking at pricing as an indication of what your customer wants, but it may not necessarily be pricing. 
it might be convenience it might be accessibility it might be availability it might be how quickly a customer is able to access service from you what responsiveness your company has in relation to the customer mm-hmm. so it's it's quite a wide array of things but it's important that businesses identify what customers need Holy, let me let me let me come to you and get some education mm. there is a certain perception that listen we know what customers want and petra rolled out some generic generics that you want i yeah. mean typically you want from the customer um, value for money you want yeah. friendliness you want to know your options you mm. want to have adequate information these are generics and it applies to whether the person is an individual mm. or a corporate yeah but is there are there things about the way organizations buy or their behavior as an entity that mm. the person who runs a business must be aware of yeah. I, 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 must you know something about the way let's see a multinational uh, an established corporate will buy and yeah. are there differences from the way an individual will just will just buy most definitely i mean the people involved in the decision making process right uh, for a multi a company is completely different from an individual. So from a, an individual's point of view, for instance, I walk into an appliance store with my wife, right, to check out a new fridge, for instance. That decision-making process is important for the business to understand how that came by, how I walked in. Uh, it's possible that um, the salesperson on duty may approach me thinking that because of my one-pack I have all the cash and I have all the... I take the decision, but that might not be the case. And one of the the things is that whether it's for an individual or businesses, we ought to ask questions. Right. So it comes back to the same question. Yes. You need to question. And she's put it well that, look, people are motivated by different things. And it is for us to tease out that question what they need and provide it. So for 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 individuals, it might it might be that hey, is the child who is influencing the decision, right? The child, right? Yes. That's uh, interesting. You haven't heard of kids' power? Oh, I, 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 yes. I know. Yeah. And, and it's not just and, and just for the benefits. It's exactly. not just about purchases. Exactly. It is even about about church. Exactly. A major research done yeah. on church growth suggested five things that determine whether a family will stay in a church and one of them was the children's preference children don't like the church forget it exactly Exactly. so so you find out but to answer your question regarding businesses and that's where a lot of challenges we face a lot of challenges and of course it's got to do just by the buying center there are a lot of people involved in 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 taking the decision to purchase something once it's a business the multinationals for instance these days, what rules is the procurement department? And I read an article last year uh, which said the rise and rise of procurement. They are the heart of it. So it's important for every business to develop a system in selling to particular customer groups. So for instance, if you were dealing with a, a multinational company, you must understand where you're starting from. Who, who initiates the, the buying process? Who are going to use the, 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 the product or service? Who is the key decision maker? Who has the authority to approve that purchase? Right? And then who does the actual purchasing? All this must, must, must be clearly defined to help any business 
to to actually making roads into company. And typically, the way I I liken it, you know, you find a, a salesperson, for instance, coming to the office excited. A deal has been done. Fifteen minutes later, a call comes through. The deal has been cancelled. The superior authority has kicked in. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Or, or a hidden power. A mm. hidden power. Right. Yes. So those are their influences. But for every business, you must understand how your product by and the first question to ask once you enter a business, who has the authority for this purchase? Who is the final decision maker? Who else should we be talking to? Because to tell you the truth, a lot of the people you meet in businesses right may give you the impression that they are the decision makers so you hear that comes with your excuses right well he's traveled the board hasn't met uh, uh, there's a general meeting next week and the process stalls six months simply because for you know where the letter was a proposal was delivered is being put in the drawer forget about it you know, so it's important to understand all this. Webster and Wind in, yes. uh, um, identify seven yeah. seven key players. In yes, what, what they call the buying the, center. Buying center. Yes. Interestingly, some of the people in that matrix mm. are people that you can easily ignore. For instance, the gatekeepers, those who give you access to the organization. If they say she is not in, does it? No matter what you do, you will not enter. And uh, these people have the power to restrict Albert, your that's, access. That's the danger. I think it's narrow to 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 define a gatekeeper as the receptionist. No, I'm, 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 I was going to come to okay, yeah. right, finish. R- right, right. I mean, because the gatekeeper could be any of could be pay, playing multiple roles. Right. Currently, in if you want good business from any multinational, you have to engage. A procurement person they are the buyers okay at the same time they set they serve as gatekeepers because they control the the flow of information right. as to what is required you understand so once again what i'm saying is that every business must develop a structured system to tease out all these things from company to company you understand? So you'll find somebody who is playing the role of a decision maker, right? And the person who authorizes. Right. Okay? You may find somebody who is a buyer and at the same time a gatekeeper. Right. Right. So multiple roles. Multiple roles. And then you'll find the long hand from somewhere, I mean, who actually is the power broker, influences every decision. It is for us to ask the questions. If you don't ask the question, your sales cycle becomes longer. Then it has implication on revenue generation. It has implication on the whole sustainability of the business. So the the buying center, as has been defined, is great. So now I'm transitioning from, uh, how do you call it, theory to practice. The practice is that Ask all the questions. So, the, so so far, it's 31 minutes past the hour of 7. And yeah. if there's one thing I've learned, three three words, questions, 
questions and questions. Yes, exactly. And, and, and both my resource persons tonight, Petra Abasamwa and Maulio Crew, are telling us to ask questions. Now, so if you want to know what questions to ask, yeah. I can volunteer some very useful questions. Yeah. Start with what, who, where, how, which, why. At least if you put those as prefixes, you may be able to add the... <laughs> Uh, and when if you if you find those six famous slaves they will, they will point you to what to do where to go and 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 how to get the results exactly petra in our quest to understand the behavior of the customer sometimes it goes beyond just hard facts aristotle says you must use the the pathos and the ethos, mm-hmm. not just the logos. Mm-hmm. So that how I mean you hear adverts and you know these adverts are literally playing on the emotional side of the customer. Mm-hmm. Is it is it right? Is it is it is it is it a good way to go? Must we must we engage not just the technical side of the person but the emotional side of the person? <clears throat> we should. Um the the important focus for marketers is to get a customer to feel that what you want to offer them would meet a particular need. Now, by need, we're talking about a a feeling of, if I don't have this, I'm missing out. So, just providing facts and figures to customers in advertising won't really hit that part of I need to meet a need. When you look at products and services that have a lot of following, um, you may want to look at Apple as an example. The reason why a lot of people use Apple products or are so attached to it is because it's almost become like a, a cult um, feeling. It's a, it's a, I want to be part of a particular group. When I use this particular product, I'm seen as ABC. I'm seen as tech savvy or I'm in the ish group, for want of a better word. But advertising must have that connection with customers so that a customer knows that this is something I really need, not just something... I want to use my extra cash to get. Yeah. How do you get? It must be. It must be. It must be a science as well as an art. How do you get people to buy what you are trying so hard to sell to them and to say thank you and feel that you've done them a great favor, Maoli? How do you push people well, to that point where they feel well, so grateful to you for giving you their money? To, to add to what Petra has just said, I mean, this issue of um, whether to use a functional or emotional platform to advertise depends purely on your your product and which category you find yourself in. If you found yourself in a, a, a product category which is which is not a novel category, it exists and your competitors are already doing an emotional based air platform advertising, that's fine. But typically in, in many cases, for instance, I'll give you an example. If you took uh, professional hair relaxers as an example, once such a product was introduced, it was important to emphasize the functional benefits of mm-hmm. it. So brands have a life of its own. You know, you move from one stage to the other. So the functional bit is, is pretty important to get people to know how to use the product optimally because if you for some products if you skip to the emotional uh, platform without them understanding how that product 
right, is used, then you're going to have a backlash. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a process. You have to grow the brand through a certain process. So, yes, you may start with the functional uh, platform, telling them this is what the product can do for you, etc. After it's established, then you move it to that emotional platform, which which uh, a lot of uh, research shows that makes your brand grow stronger mm-hmm. and the equity is much more stronger. But that comes back to the concept of a product. You know, it's a, a three-dimensional thing. The physical attribute, the functional, and the psychological. So this emotional thing at the end of the day is the most the most powerful one. So I think that's that's one of the aspects of advertising that you can't ignore. 24 minutes past the hour of, uh, to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you just tuned in, this is Springboard, your virtual university. We are examining the concepts of customer experience, customer engagement, understanding customer behavior, those variables that you can never even understand but which impact greatly. That, that light at the airport that is influencing your customer numbers, it's, it didn't factor in your business plan, but you have to contend with it. What do you do? How do you, how do you move from the point? And critically, when you fail to anticipate that dynamic and it emerges, how do you respond? Do you go to church and pray? Or do you sit down and calculate how to fight back? And where do you look? It's 16 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. This is Springboard, your virtual university. And that blog is comfortokran.com. If you want to find that article, Dance With My Father, just go to that blog, comfortokran.com, and you will find it. This, the discussion tonight is about customer engagement, and it's also about understanding customer behavior. You want to sell to the person. You want to transfer money from the person's pocket to your pocket or account. And you want to transfer value to the person. So far, Petra Abba Asamoa and Maulio Klu are telling us, ask questions. Now, you want to sell. Petra, in selling, at what point do you engage your customer? Is it in the pricing? Is it in the design? Are you going too far if you try to even ask the customer about the name of a particular product, service, or promotion? Must you involve your customers in designing a marketing campaign even staffing at what level must you involve the customers in the business decision making or in the choices that you make as a business i'll say at every level and that's because companies that want that want to succeed must not just focus on the customer but but must have a total marketing orientation and when we talk about marketing orientation, we're not talking about just the marketing function focusing on marketing, but we're saying at every level in the business, the customer must be at the heart of the decision-making process. So at every point, why do you hire the people that you hire? Why do you have the processes that you have? Why do you have the systems in place in your business? All of those things must be based on what the customer wants and what satisfies the customer. So if we, we think about why you're hiring the people you're hiring, you're looking at in your customer service team, for instance, do you have people who are naturally personable? Do you have people who have the attitude of, I want to help, I want to be, I'm, I'm naturally a people's person, I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm, I'm welcoming to people, or you have, you've hired introverts who are naturally not supposed to be customer-facing. 
but that's not to say that introverts can't be customer service people. I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> no. So that's not to say introverts can't be customer service people. But in, I'm, I'm saying that in the recruitment process as well, we must have all those things as part of why we're doing what we're doing. So you're looking at processes. What processes do we have in place? If a customer wants to buy something, what's the process from point A to point B? Service management um, scholars will, will talk about blueprinting, service blueprinting. So you're looking at what process do we have in place and how do we go through that process? Do we, do we make sure that it's standardized so the customers know, the staff know, and everybody goes along that same process? So everything in the organization, from the security man to the MD and everything that we do, if we say we have a marketing orientation, then we must focus on the customer. I find that many times when something leads to significant cost or setbacks to an organization, decision makers in the company and business are often surprised that things could be that bad. Is it a case or would it be your opinion that sometimes you find that people in the boardrooms, people at top management levels are disconnected from the reality of what their customers go, go through in dealing with their systems, their people and their processes? Definitely. There are situations like that and that's why um, marketing professionals are pushing more and more that the marketing function must be represented on the, in the, on the board. W- will that be enough? Most, 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 most marketing directors are system boards. Um, to an extent. But the, the thing too is that everyone should be thinking marketing. It shouldn't be thinking, marketing shouldn't be the role of just the marketing department. Everyone should be thinking. Because really, when you think about it, the customer is the reason for the business. The customer is the essence of the business. And without the customer, we have this thing we say in our office that our customer is our boss. So if you don't have the customer, what's the point of the business really? Mauli, I mean, critics will say, it's a cliche. We say the customer is always right, the customer is the boss. But in the decision-making process, sometimes our decisions contradict that that statement that the customer is the boss because some of the decisions we make really will increase cycle time by two extra days for nothing, just bureaucracy. Yeah. And somebody is just delaying the, the, the buying of something that would make life easier and better for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And the person is delaying it because they want to show you that they control the funds. And they are not understanding that that decision is really not about power, power in the organization. It's about the customer and the experience. How do we get the entire organization to be customer-centric? Well, I think um, Petra has alluded to that, right? Um, That it's one thing to say you want to be customer-oriented or you want to allow the marketing concept to permit the organization. But it's a, it's a whole cultural change. You know, it must permeate both horizontally and vertically. But then, the key to it is that systems must be put in place to reward and track those performances. Right? First of all, once you start with understanding that people understand why it's important. And I'll give you, I'll share my personal experience with you. Uh, in my, fa- my first uh, sales job, I... I got seconded to be at the warehouse, which was in Tema. Until then, I did not appreciate the importance of a warehouse. Because, you see, you may be able to sell your product, and the warehouse literally messes up, and the customer is dissatisfied. Because the customer wants to move the product from the warehouse to market within 24 hours. Yet, the customer gets to the gate of the warehouse at 5 and he sees that the gates are being closed and people will say, we've closed. Yes, yeah. This customer has rented a van 
and needs to be in Kumase this a Friday evening needs to be in Kumase by dawn because the customers from northern Ghana and other places are coming to buy if your warehouse people do not appreciate are not customer centric right forget it suddenly you begin to lose businesses but what I say is important is that you need to measure because if you don't measure there you have a problem um, I do a lot of mystery shopping and customer satisfaction service and I have a video called my shopping nightmares right I go out I send my mystery shoppers around some with video and it's amazing some of the things that you you, you see you'll find um, a sales promotion going on in uh, is there a Cramor? you know they have this annual right. sidewalk uh, promotion and I have videos of that the purpose of that is to give an opportunity for discounted products to be sold. Yet, guess what? The owners of the business think business is being done. Yet, the staff are seated and are playing with their mobile phones, watching patrons walk by. You know. Now, how do you prevent people from doing the undesirable? You need to measure. You know, measure, train, measure. When it gets to a point where you think that the person is not uh, redeemable, fire. It's as simple as that. Because that culture, once you need it to be there, people have to be measured, rewarded, and punished. Measurement, reward, training, and then sanctions. Yes. Okay, so keep these words in your, in, in your book. Measure, reward, train, and sanction. Let me talk about measurement and so when you begin to measure and you get feedback and the feedback is not favorable sometimes you find that the reality of it is that instead of becoming appreciative we become defensive it's almost a cultural thing the first thing we do when we get feedback that is negative is to explain why in the person's particular instance there must be a, re- a reason for that experience are we do we do we appreciate how important is feedback in the first place and do we really appreciate feedback as a tool for building businesses petra feedback is very important and from the beginning of this discussion we've been talking about how do you ask the right questions how do you get the right information feedback is one of the ways by which you can get information from your customers now for for i think it's natural what you've just said that we become defensive when we get feedback but businesses shouldn't be and the reason is that when a customer speaks to you about something they don't like chances are they want to stay they can decide not to speak and just vote with their feet and leave your business and move elsewhere. So when you have a customer giving you feedback, something went wrong, the best thing to do is to appreciate the feedback and try and fix the situation. There are times where you can't fix it. There are times where a simple apology makes a big difference. But feedback should never be seen as a bad thing to a business. Rather, it should be seen as something good. Because without feedback, really, how do you know if what you're doing to the customer meets their needs, if you're satisfying the customer or not? Right. So let me let me let me me, before you add you bring in your contribution, let me me just throw in one more angle to this. Again, I want us to move beyond talking about the importance to talk about the the how. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned mystery shopping as a way of measuring. You've mentioned you've mentioned service. If feedback is important, how do we put in place a real working mechanism to get that feedback because as I indicated earlier on sometimes by the time you get the real feedback it's not in terms of customer complaints it's in terms of massive drops in numbers and sometimes it's too late then to listen how do we get our organizations to have systems that get real feedback in real time invest in them 
right? I mean, thankfully, technology is available for that, right? I mean, we have the mobile phone where you can send feedback uh, cards to people, a link for people to complete. You have to... I mean, I've seen uh, uh, banks who have comment cards. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the comment cards are really hidden. So you have to make an effort to read that. But what you need is that you need uh, a complaint management system. How do people complain and how do you get it escalated and how do you get it resolved? That system must be in place. You need to put in a system where you measure the customer satisfaction uh, of, of customers, of your customers over a period of time. Could it be quarterly, half yearly or annually? It's important and use that feedback for instance to make the necessary changes it will amaze you i do a lot of this i do a lot of analysis and it's incredible the the kind of things customers will tell you right let's take this home we have a couple of minutes to close yeah. so i mentioned the situation of lights at the airport and their impact on hotel numbers yeah all your analysis has so far has been about going to measure your competitors' number of rooms, their restaurant, their their staff, their cleanliness, their car park. You didn't anticipate. Now, lights have come. Everybody's celebrating the lights, but the lights have an inverse relationship with your sales numbers. How do you deal with pressures you did not anticipate? Take us home, Petra, your closing thoughts on in the whole of the function, how do you deal with sudden developments, changes in, in customer preferences? They want to fly home instead of sleeping in your hotel or something. How do you deal with suddenly? I know flying made you smile, but how do you deal with sudden changes in customer behavior that you didn't anticipate? You change as well. And, the, and I say change as well because businesses must be dynamic enough to adapt to customer the changes in customer preferences. So if your customer used to prefer a particular way of buying from you and they've changed. For instance, you're looking at how online is now becoming a big a big issue for uh, marketers. If you're not available online or you're not available to engage your customer, for instance, on social media or you have a website or things like that, you may be losing out on some segment of your business. So while customers change, businesses must also change. You can't remain static. If you want to think um, 10 years, 15 years ago, how how much we um, we read only hard copy books, and now ebooks is the new thing. If you want to, if a book business, for instance, was going to fig, um, maintain only just hard copy books, you'll probably be out of business now. You want to also look at things like print media. I, I, I have, I, I usually joke about the fact that sometimes you read something in the newspapers in the morning, but it's, it was news last night on Facebook. So right. businesses must change as customer preferences change. Mauli, your closing thoughts. Well, I mean, with the scenario you actually gave, two things. I'll back uh, Petra's point. Adaptability, adapt to the changes, but most importantly, reposition and expand your target and segment. And I'll leave you with the thoughts. Um, you know Johnson Baby Products? The, the slogan is what? Good for you good for baby good for you it was a typical case of drastic change in preferences right but the question is that did the company have to shut down their factory because demographics had changed people were having more children yet 
the factories were still there. So in order to make use, they expanded the use of the product that adults could also use it. So risk positioning and then expand the uh, segment you are targeting. So now you have Johnson Father products. <laughs> <laughs> Good for baby. Good for you. So it's for everybody. Uh, right. Yeah. You bring hope to many through your leadership and guidance. You touch lives and give a renewed sense of fulfillment to many across the globe. You counsel, mentor, and father many. You discipline when you have to and provide a comforting shoulder afterwards. Thousands depend on you every day for guidance. Thousands count on you every day for leadership. Thousands are hopeful because of your daily dose of encouragement and motivation. On behalf of all colleagues of the Knowledge Center, friends of Convert Impressions, Springboard Club members all over the nation, the entire Springboard and Legacy and Legacy family, and on behalf of your Facebook friends, Happy Father's Day, Reverend Albert Okran. <laughs> I thought you didn't answer a question about it. <laughs> thank you, Petra, and thank you to all conspirators in this one. And well, Pastor Ransford, you have a look on your face that gives you the impression you know something about this. <laughs> thank you, Petra. Thank you, Maui Clue. And that has been our session on understanding customer behavior. You must also understand your resource person's behavior because sometimes <laughs> you just can't predict what they'll do next. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 nine. Zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,